I have so many props today. I have no idea if this is a good idea or a bad idea. We're going to figure that out together. We can see. But it was on my mind to, uh, I'm pretty old school, like, I'm very old school, so I don't really do a lot of stuff with slides and that. Michael's the one who took care of the slides, so um, I don't have a lot up there. But I am, it's, just, it's just an honor to speak with you guys today. Um, I'm just going to let it roll out. In the last couple of weeks, it's just been an amazing, like, turn of events for me, <laughs> if I can say it that way. Like, just a reordering of, I guess, my center in a way, and my foundation in a way. And it's just like, it's been a bit um, crazy and chaotic, but also really beautiful. And so I'm just going to let whatever he's been doing inside of me from that process just flow out. Um, yeah, it's Super Bowl Sunday and y'all are here. <laughs> That's amazing, all right? I mean, the pregame show will be like six hours anyway, so. I used to be into football huge, um, but I've just lived in so many different places in the last couple, like six to seven years. I haven't had TV or anything. And so I just totally got out of it, but my brother likes to um, send me messages about how bad my team is doing, like often, so that's the only update I have, is how bad my team is, which is the Green Bay Packers. There's one! We're holding on, holding on for another championship year some year. Yeah, so the past year, I've... Uh, I finished my counseling in psychology and then I just was like feeling led into, I know I'm going to be working somewhere in the spiritual faith-based realm of counseling. And so as I stepped into that, I kind of had all these questions come up through the past year I've been doing an internship with Bethel Church in Reading and uh, in their counseling, in their transformation center. I've had the chance to sit under amazing people and just watch like the spirit of God just heal and rearrange and just do what he does so well and um but in that there's like these questions I had of like like what is salvation and what is why does Jesus matter really and those are huge questions who is Jesus why does he matter I'm not going to attempt to like um totally cover all the massiveness of what that is, but I'm just going to try to follow a little path of it today, of just, like I was saying, just that foundational, um, why Jesus? Why Jesus? You know? And we sing to him, it's just powerful moment this morning, just worshiping him, but why? And so that's sort of the journey that I want to take us on today. To my surprise, I'm actually going to be speaking from a book that, <laughs> a little bit of a book that I wrote about four years ago, um, and that's a whole other story, and we're not going to talk about that today, but <laughs> it's coming back now in this season. I went through a lot of stuff um, and just sort of put it away, put everything away um, for a while, 
as God was healing me, and now it seems to be coming back around again. So we're going to talk from some of the things that he wrote and planted in me. I do have books at the back there if you want to talk to me afterwards, but it'll explain it more. Anyway, this is what I've been thinking about. You want to go on a journey with me? We'll go Holy Spirit journey, I pray. We'll be Holy Spirit. I just love encounter. I just love encountering Him in everything, you know? So that's what I've been praying for today, that it would just be an encounter with you, Father. And just that everything that's done is just that encounter of our hearts with you and with the truth. And the truth will set us free, right? So here's where this may or may not work, but I'm going to start here. So we sang about God, um, yeah, his greatness and his honor. And there's a verse um, where he says over and over again, he is telling us the preferred way that he wants to be known is as a father. And that can bring up different reactions on the inside of us, especially when we maybe grew up, I grew up in a home where that concept of father was scary. Um, just for some reasons, with just the brokenness in my dad. So um, when I hear God as a father, it's taken me actually quite a long time to be able to receive that. Because there's this image on the inside of us of what a father actually is. And it can be good and it can be really bad. And so his primary way that he wants to be known, though, is as a father. So God is a father. Maybe I get to just doodle, doodle with Jesus while I do this. We'll see. <laughs> so he's a father. And everything that he wants to get to us is wrapped up in a son. <laughs> so all of the spiritual blessings, which is, I don't even know what they all are, is all wrapped up in his son. So there's a way, we call, we'd say there's a way, right? The way, the truth, the life is Jesus. So he's the way. But this way is sonship. Because it's all wrapped up in a son. But the question that I've been playing with is, why? <laughs> why? So, Romans 8, I'll just read a couple of verses to help us build the foundation before we move on. Romans 8, 15. I don't think this slide is up there. I don't think I gave this one to you. I'll just read it. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. 
We are heirs. So, I was talking about the father's smile. I grew up without a father's smile in my heart. And I was thinking about what is that? What is that? It's all the acceptance and all the approval and all the affection that we all we needed as children that comes from a father. In Ephesians 1, I think this one's up there. Do I have to work this? Slide person, I need your help. Ephesians 1, did I give you that one? Oh, good. Ephesians 1, 5 to 6. I'll find it. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Did I give you only five? Anything that's wrong on here is my fault, not Michael's fault. Let's just clear that out. Oh, that is it. Yep. All right. So God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. What I want to start with is just understanding that we were wanted. So we're going to start there and then we're going to just kind of slide through. So we were wanted by his presence. Sorry, I'm old school. i got to read. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Sometimes, um, hmm. Okay. So we talk a lot about, actually, um, Lyle talked about this today too, coming home, right? Ephesians 1, 5 to 6 tells us that he always wanted us to come back home. He made a way for us to come back home. My friend, is uh, she's a missionary overseas, and we were just talking recently. Um, she's actually in Turkey right now, and they're on the ground there um, with the earthquakes that just happened. And she said, you know, a lot of times we get hung up on the fact that there's only one way. So there's one way, but she said that one way has a billion ways of reaching all of us. I thought that was really neat. But there is one way back home. But the reason is, why is there one way back home? So just kind of keep that in your mind that um, everything that God wants to give to us is wrapped up in a son, is wrapped up in sonship. The greatest depiction of this is actually Luke 15. And so I'm sure you guys know a bit of the story of the prodigal. And I just want to take some time to pull that apart and look at it. So I think, oh, is this working? It's working. There we go. So we're going to go to Luke 15 for a little bit. We're probably going to park there. But I'm going to read the whole thing just for in case. I just 
put up a little bit of it, but um, let's just pick up the whole thing. So the story of the prodigal son. So Jesus is responding back to the um, sort of pharisaical leaders of the time getting on him for eating with a bunch of sinners. And so he goes on this rage, uh, rage, not rage. We'll just say he goes on this storytelling adventure of like three or four parables illustrating the father's heart. And one of them happens to be the one we're going to talk about is the parable of the lost son. And so just to give it like a little background, if you've never heard that story. So um, there's two sons and there's father. And the one son comes to the father and wants his inheritance now, which in that day would have been the equivalent of saying, I want you dead, and I want everything from you now. And he goes out, and he lives a wild life. Jesus is really <laughs> clear on making it sound really wild. And then all of a sudden, um, there's a famine in the land, and the sun runs out of all the money, and everything gets bad, and he's left out there um, with nothing, starts to eat <laughs> or work with pigs, and he realizes I ha everything I have is empty, and I want to go home to my father. He says that even the servants in my father's house are doing way better than this, so I want to go home. So he goes home, and um, that's where I'll pick it up. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. So I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we've been fattening, so we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And I like this version, says, so the party began. So the party began. Mm. But I just want to break down the three things in this story because they carry a lot of significance for us and they carry a lot of significance for understanding what sonship is um, or at least the starting point. So the first thing that happens is the father doesn't actually even let the son finish what he was going to say. Remember he was going to say, I'm no longer worthy to be your son so just make me like one of your servants. And the father cuts him off before he gets to the second part and starts to bring all the stuff out. <laughs> He's kind of like, you know what, you're back. Let's just get everything back to you. This is at home. At home. 
So the first thing that they bring out is a robe. And he said it's the finest robe. So there's this verse in Zechariah 3 that might help us understand a little bit more about what that robe is. Um, in that picture, it's talking about how all of the, just basically the, the dirt, the darkness, the filth, all of that is on him and is depicted as rags. And so this son has come home from a long, long way away. And he's filthy, like he's been living with pigs for the last however long. And he comes wearing all of those rags. And he comes before the father, and the father says, well, the first thing we need to do is get those rags off. Because in this house, <laughs> you don't wear rags. You're a son. And so in this house, you have different clothes. So the robe is um, a brand new, taking off all of that shame, all of that dirtiness, all of that, that we've been out there on the road and putting something else over you. So you can feel that robe on your arm. This is when you come home. I was... Um, I felt like God wanted me to read through the book of Job like a little while ago. And I was just like, oh man, I hate Job. <laughs> like Job is so sad, you know. I mean, it gets good in the end, but the first part's awful. But there's actually a ton of really, really good stuff in Job. And if you're reading a book of the Bible with Holy Spirit, it usually makes it a lot better. But in there, there's this verse, it was Job 35, 6. It stopped me because I've never thought about this before. Um, I think it's Elihu saying, one of the friends. Um, no, it was Elihu because he's never reprimanded in the end. The friends are, but he was never reprimanded for what he said, which I also find interesting. So he says, if you sin, this is in Job 35, 6, if you, what is that to God? doesn't affect him. It's an interesting verse because he's saying, you know what, God, the Godhead lives in perfect love, perfect harmony. When I say Godhead, I mean Father, Son, Holy Spirit all the time. They're never affected if they didn't want to be. They could have just stayed out of it all. The verse goes on to say in 35.7, it says, but when you sin, when you, when you get involved in all these things, it hurts each other. It makes it really clear that what's happening there is you're breaking each other. So the whole Godhead is always living in perfect love, honor, hope, peace, never out of it, never affected. They didn't have to come. They didn't have to come. They could have just stayed up there and been like, oh, there you go, y'all just destroy yourselves. Just destroy yourselves and we'll fix it when it's all broken <laughs> in the end, but they didn't. And it hit me because I said, how much more beautiful is that even? That our Father, He didn't have to come, but they did. They did come for us. And they come to bring us life. They come to bring us all that they have to us which is amazing. So the first part is this robe transfer. 
of all the stuff that we're wearing, all the brokenness that we come in to receive His life, His honor, and His love over our shoulders and new clothes. New clothes. Sons and daughters. Kings and queens. And the second thing he gets is a ring. I like rings. I totally didn't wear any rings today. I had one ring in particular I was going to wear today, but I forgot it. <laughs> anyway, the ring. Um, the ring is a symbol of authority. And we have one. So there's, <laughs> there's two kingdoms that operate in the spiritual realm. So I, like I said in the beginning, I've been really immersing, uh, working in the spiritual realm um, with people as a spiritual healing with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so um, it's been really eye-opening and enlightening for me to just see how this works. So there's two kingdoms. One, right, we know this. One is darkness, death, destruction. I mean, turn on the news for about half an hour. You don't have to watch very long to see what's happening in our world right now, always. And one is life, love, freedom, <laughs> everything beautiful. And in that kingdom, there's a king. And his name is Jesus. And he stands above it all. And Colossians 1.13, I think I have that one up there, illustrates. Yeah. So here's another part of why Jesus... For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of... This is Father. God the Father has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. There's actually a kingdom transfer that happens, too. So not only do we need new clothes, we also need a transfer in the kingdom. I was reading recently, like I started in Colossians 1.13 and then I just kind of kept going to just read again about who Jesus is. You know, another point that this person was highlighting was that um, they were never equal. I never put this together either. And we know the leader of the kingdom of darkness is led by the devil or and Jesus is the one who created Father says that by him and in him all things have been created he's creator everything in that kingdom has been created they've never been equal but when he came down he came down to bring us freedom and life and then he was placed back above everything. I, for some reason, was focusing on the last part, and I didn't realize he's always been above everything. <laughs> kind of like didn't really connect until I read this. He's always been above everything. And that's really good news. 
that's really good news. That there he is above everything. And that we are in him when we come back to Christ and when we come home. When we receive him as our savior. So all of this language that surrounds salvation, I mean it's so much bigger than that and I'm just following one trail today. It's so much more than that. But that is a huge piece for us. That there's somebody outside of all this. There's a whole kingdom outside of everything we see happening in the, in the world today. And he's not absent. He's not absent. So I just wanted to actually take a minute and read a little bit more of Colossians 1. Just so we can come into view. This is how I remember where the books of the Bible are. When I was in Sunday school, I got taught, go eat popcorn. So that's always running in my head. Go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians. Yeah. Then I would get stickers. That's why I like stickers. <sighs> Colossians 1, 13. Okay, this is just, I just want to read a little bit more about who Jesus is. Is that okay? Can we just read? Because this really, this really blew me away again. I knew. So verse 15, Christ, talking about Jesus Christ, is the visible image of the invisible God. Wow. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you can just stay there and read about who he is. Come to know who he is. Okay, and so then there's also this piece that I think I woke up with this morning was just that he says um, in 1 John 3, 8, the Bible tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. Not to play nice with it all. He came to destroy it all. You know, and that... The works of the devil. So all those rags we've been wearing when we come home, all the destruction and all the lies and all the stuff that's happening around us, all the ways we've wounded ourselves and we've wounded each other, all the stuff we grew up in, all the stuff you grew up in, all the stuff everyone around you grew up in and just transferred onto you in relationship, all of it. He came to destroy that. Not us. That. Ha. 
and to send it away from us and open the way, the way home. It's in Christ. I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm still trying to figure out really what in Christ means. I have a theological knowledge of it, but I'm talking about understanding, like getting it. And I'm learning every, more and more. There's like a new identification in my heart and in my spirit with Jesus and who I am in him. But it's still coming because it's huge. It's huge. But I know I am a child of God. I've received him. You know, I was told by, I don't know what happened. I was told at one point um, that saying that you receive Jesus into your heart is not correct. I don't know. And I rolled with it for a little while. And then just the other week, I read a verse. Um, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I just felt to say it. But I read a verse that's so clear that you invite Jesus into your heart. He dwells and lives within your heart. Don't ask me to really explain it. But he does. It's all spiritual. And we're all spiritual. We're all spirit, soul, body. So some of us are more open to that than not, and some of us live more in the natural, and some of us are like, woo and need to come back into the natural sometimes. We're all of those things, and this is how we connect to him. Salvation, well, let me just throw this out there. Salvation happened in the spiritual realm. <laughs> and so we access it through the spiritual realm. So that's where all of this matters. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. During my internship with Bethel the last year, man, if you know anything about Bethel Church, they are they're just lovers of the presence of God and His Spirit. And so my relationship with Holy Spirit, I had a lot of walls I didn't even know. I thought I was like super open, and I had a lot of walls mostly through my relationship um, with my mother, actually. That's a whole other thing. But I've opened up more and more to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is beautiful. Like somehow they're all one. Don't ask me to explain this either. They're all one. But they also just minister to us in such distinct ways. And it's, it's really been as I've been going through the internship, I've come to see that. Um, and like I said, I've been working on this father relationship to come to know a true father, true love. So we have a robe. If you can picture that robe on you, it's pretty nice. It's very soft. <laughs> it's very pure. It's very clean. We have a ring. And we are inside of the one who is completely above everything. And he is our answer and our hope. He's coming to us to destroy the works of the devil. You know, I, I don't have children myself. And so I looked after a toddler or somewhere in that realm, one of these guys. And you know how, like... You're trying to save their life from something. Like they're going to put their hand on the stove. And you save them. 
and they just get so upset with you. And because I'm not a parent every single day, like the parents in the room are like, that's my life, like 24-7. But I'm not a parent, and I just could not understand this. I'm just like, I am trying to save you. And they're just like, wow, you're the worst. I hate you. But I was like, what? And that kind of came into my mind this morning again. Dealing with, you know, all the stuff that comes out as Hebrews describes. Um sin and brokenness like a weight on us. Like we're trying to run like we were made to, but this weight is holding us back. And so it's Hebrews is telling us to throw off that weight. When he's asking for it, just throw it off, whatever it is, so that we can run. The whole, um, man, when you get to know them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the whole goal is they want to bring life and true freedom and truth to us. That's what they're trying to get to us constantly. And we are like those children. I know I've been like those children with him sometimes. They're just not understanding that he's trying to save me. And we usually have to get burned before we realize, oh, that's what you were trying to save me from. It's okay. He's, they knew the task before they came. They knew what it was going to be like to work with us. <laughs> they love us, and they come in that love to free us from what's been holding us back, what's been holding us down. There's sandals in this story, too. I love shoes, so i got to talk about shoes. But the thing in the story with Luke is that the sandals are a sign of sonship. Servants never wear sandals. All the way through the Bible, if you do a study on it, servants don't wear sandals. Only sons get them. And so, again, it's a third picture of a new position. A restored position, actually. Because we have to keep in mind that we were always wanted there. We were always wanted. We were created to be sons and daughters. We just aren't all at home yet. We come home through this way that they've made for us to come home through Jesus, to his son, through the son. And then we just learn from there what this sonship is what it is. It's a position. It's an honor. Really. It's an honor. And he opens up everything to us. He said, everything I have is yours. This is actually what he said to the um, older son in that story. He, the older son is saying, okay, you threw this big party for the, the, the other one. He's been gone and doing everything he wants and he came back. And he said, but I'm here. I've been here the whole time. And he never threw a party for me. And the father, being depicted in this story, sits down with him and says, you've been with me the whole time. Everything I have is yours. Like, think about that. Everything I have is yours. I don't even know. I haven't plumbed the depths of that. Everything they have, all the life, everything is ours. So generous. 
aren't they? When I see the cross, when I picture the cross these days, I just picture it as like a wide open embrace. You're just like, come and have everything we have. Just come on. Because there's a shelter in that home. It's a shelter from the storm. It's a shelter from all the darkness, all the weight, all the stuff out here, everything in the news, everything around us. Just come home. And we can talk about it. Let us give you your life. Let us give you peace. Let us give you joy. We just kind of, when we come back to Jesus and we receive his life, we just kind of nestle right into the relationship that the three of them have. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're just right in there. In that love that's just constantly, constantly there. And then from home, we get to know who we are. We get to know what we were made for. When you're learning your design, you kind of have to talk to the one who made you. So my, one of my most constant prayers is just, who am I? <laughs> Father, who am I? Who did you make me to be? So I, the coolest thing is that I don't have to pull an identity out of a hat. I already have one. And I'm designed and I'm created and so are you. We are designed and we are created and that's another awesome piece of coming home. <laughs> is that all the lies that we've been told out here? start to get challenged by the truth that he carries because he says that I saw you before you were even in the womb I know who you are and I made you <laughs> so that's another piece of coming home coming home it all exists back home so I'll just read a couple more verses Oh, I may have put that one up there. Nice slides in between, Michael. Well done. Which one's that? Oh, uh, this is just Galatians 4. Just illustrating a little bit more of this adoption. So we read in the very beginning the spirit of sonship. The spirit of... Um, we are adopted as sons. That's a lot of language in the New Testament. Actually, that's what they describe salvation as, is being adopted as sons. Um, not meaning that we weren't wanted, meaning that we had to come back home and be reestablished as sons and daughters. That's how I think of it, be reestablished. So Galatians 4, 4 and 5. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit around it first. A couple more minutes here. Yeah, so but when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are His child, 
God has made you his heir. And we get to plumb the depths of what that means to be an heir of God now that we're back home. I'll just read one more. John. Nope, not up there. One last one. There's this distinction in the Bible um, between the spirit of slavery and the spirit of sonship. And that slavery being wrapped in fear, being wrapped in works, being wrapped in earning. And you saw the son in Luke 15 try to do that too, right? Tried to come home as a servant. But the father said, nah, you only come home as sons. You only come home as daughters. This one pretty much says the same thing, but I'm just going to read it. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So I just have this question in my heart to just be like, so what does that mean? From me today. So what does that mean? That I am a child of God. And if you have put your faith in Christ and have received from them what they're offering to us, the invitation is still open. <laughs> and they're just saying, just come home. And then after we come home too, there's still a continual coming home. You know, with all the other stuff that comes up. And all the other things that we're still not believing him on. And that's okay. He knew what he was getting into when he called us. So all he wants to do is just keep taking those rags off and getting rope. All he wants to do is keep helping us understand the ring that's on our finger. And the sandals that's on our feet. That we walk in this honor that He is restored to us. And it is an honor to be restored to Him in that way. So Jesus, we love You. Jesus, we thank You for bringing us home. Papa, I just ask that the reality of your kingdom come would just be in our hearts. You've already placed your spirit within us as crying out, Abba, Father. I thank you for the healing, the healing of that relationship between you and us. Father, we just want to come home in deeper and deeper ways. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for your grace. <laughs> we thank you for your open arms. And we thank you for the way. We thank you that you were willing to come when you didn't have to. <laughs> and that you still come when you don't have to. 
over and over and over again. All we do is just reach out to you. We just open our hearts to you to receive life. You will exchange the lies for truth. You will exchange the darkness for light. We just get this grand exchange at the cross with you, Jesus. With you, Father. And we thank you. You are the way, the life, and the truth. And we come to the Father through you. So bless that journey, Papa, as we go. Continue to draw us deeper into you and into your love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But as my friend said, that's not restrictive in that sense. It's just he's got a billion ways to get to us. And he'll never stop coming. He'll never stop coming. Amen.